He's the only one who can, amen? He really is the only one. So I got to thinking before we started, I was like, hey, you know, maybe I'll let you guys pick a blast from the past. So if y'all have one, a sermon that y'all particularly like, text me, okay? All right? And then we'll, if I have more than one, I'll have to pick, okay? All right? But anyway. Um, so word, you know, words or, or phrases like, great job, coach, or man, way to go, Jimmy. All right? Amen. That was wonderful. That, that was wonderful, Miss Shirley, or, or well done, Miss Donna. Right? You know, we, we love hearing those phrases, don't we? I mean, there's there's something about you know um, positive reinforcement or in, encouragement, right? That goes a long way, uh, you know, toward, towards building us up, right? We all like to hear good things every now and then, right? Um, we just we just really do. Um, many studies have have shown that positive reinforcement is a good bit more effective than negative reinforcement. You know, the studies have, have, have shown that to be the case. Uh, I, I may have used a story. I'm, I'm sure I have after five years. Uh, I'm sure I've used a story, but let me use it again. I actually told Chris this uh, the other day. He didn't know it. Uh, Chris Combass, my friend, uh, who we actually were in each other's weddings, uh, you know, years and years ago. Um, but um, we, we, I just reminded him the other day about this. I said, man, you, you know, it, it very well could have been um, the reason why I'm still teaching. You know, maybe not. You know, I don't know what would happen. I, I'm not really a quitter, so probably not. But, uh, but um, years ago, I did not want to move down from high school teaching, okay? I w did not want to move down to middle school. I was moved down to middle school. Um, eighth grade, um, English, I did not want to go, okay? I, I went kicking and screaming, uh, but did my job every day. Uh, it was tough. It was a tough group of kids. Uh, bless their hearts. They already graduated a couple years ago. Uh, but... Um, it was a tough group, and then in the, in, in the middle of that tough time, that hard time, um, Chris Combass had walked in my room to observe, and he left, and I did not know that he, he made his way to my desk and left me a note. I didn't see the note till the end of the day. All right. And man, it was just something just as small. I can't remember exactly, but man, you know, something, you know, you know, coach, you're a great teacher. You do a fantastic job, blah, blah, you know, just a, just a brief note. Y'all, that, that was huge for me. It was huge. I needed it. I needed that po that positive, uh, you know, uh, encouragement. And uh, so, so welcome uh, today uh, as we talk about this idea of being just well done, right? The final sermon in a short series we entitled "Well Done." This is Sermon Three, all right? And it comes from Matthew twenty-five, verse twenty-one. Right, which is his master said to him, it's the end of the uh, parable of talents, uh, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. And uh, really that first part, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, is something that, you know, that, that we aspire as Christians to maybe hear if God's going to tell us that, you know, but but hopefully, it's you know, if so, those are words that we all want to hear. And then so uh, the first week we looked at the word servant. So I'm going to give you a quick, uh, a quick kind of uh, uh, review if you haven't been here. And thank you for those who are here who are uh, visiting. Love, love to see you and love to continue seeing you. But um, so if the first week was as Christians, uh, we should look, you know, well, that was the, that was the, the total, uh, the, the um, central statement for the whole uh whole series and then miss Rhonda go to the next one uh and this was the first week as we looked at the word servant we we examined the definition of the word servant uh, we looked at the different deities we looked at the different things that we serve 
you know, in, you know, as, as people in our culture today. And then we looked at the fact that the Lord God is, is definitely more worthy of our service, you know, more than any of those things that, that we looked at, the different deities. And then the design of Christ that we should follow, which was Jesus was a, uh, was a supreme servant leader. You know, as he, as he uh, you know, washed the disciples' feet was a great example of that, right? And then and last week, we looked at the word faithful, which, I mean, I, I'm still can't believe you know, God's goodness sometimes, right? I mean, because to, to have Miss Shirley and Mr. Tommy back with us, and then we talk about faithfulness. That just happens to be, right? Come on. All right, God is, is so good. Amen. In fact, I got to tell y'all, uh, let me take like, a quick uh, quick dirt road, not too long. I promise we won't stay on the dirt road too long. But y'all... Um, just give me an example again of just God, like God's timing, how you just really don't know. And for those who uh, weren't here, uh, what didn't go to the funeral yesterday, um, I, I knew early on in the week that I was supposed to preach about the the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31 about my grandma. Well, Thursday, all right, uh, I mean sorry, Friday, my my stepmom Debbie was taking me to pick up my truck, had to get some tires. Right. And um, on it, and, and she was taking me there, and and I and, I, and she, I said, well, I know what um, you know what scripture I'm gonna use tomorrow, but I don't want to tell you yet. And she said, well, let me tell you about the last few minutes of Gamma's life, as she was in hospice. I, um, you know, they, they, the, the nurses said, you know, she can hear what you say. And so Sally and I had already, had already gone earlier, uh, you know, like the day before and actually talked to Gamma. And she, you know, it was kind of it it nice in a way. But she says, Patrick, I, I, I sat beside her and I read from a couple Psalms. And then the last thing I read to her was Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman. And I'm like, oh gosh, I got to tell you now, all right? <laughs> and so, uh, but that was the same scripture. So the scripture that was last read to my grandma before she left this world was the same one that I preached on yesterday. Come on, you don't tell me that God that God didn't have that plan, y'all. Come on, right? Amen. All right, so we go ahead and go home now. I'm just playing. I'm just <laughs> don't get off that easily, all right? All right, sorry, coach, you got to stay. All right, um, so last week we looked at we will characterize faithfulness. So we characterized it. We, we showed an opposite, a counter to it. We examined some cases in, in the Hebrews, uh, the Hall of Faith, um, and then in Hebrews 11, and then we looked at Christ's faithfulness. And then today we're going to look at the words well done. So we, we went backwards, all right? So now we're at the beginning of it. So as followers of Christ, we shouldn't seek to be well said, well played or well off, and said we should seek to be able to hear well done. And so, well said. So that's a, that's a phrase that, that indicates agreement, um, approval regarding something that has been just said, uh, usually spoken. See, sometimes you will hear people put the word very in front of that, right? Uh, very well said. Hey, um, like, you know, you worded that so well, Miss A4, that was very good. It sounded great. It was, it was perfect, Mr. Steve. It, it, it was exactly the way it should have been said, all right? Uh, like, even yesterday, I, I actually said those words yesterday when Aunt Brenda had sent me something about Gamma, you know? And I said, I can't, I can't say it any better, so I'm just going to quote her. And I said, because so, it was very well said. Right, and so, however, today I'm going to take that word, I'm going to take that phrase, and I'm going to stretch, I'm going to stretch it a little bit. Okay, so, so keep, you know, keep that in mind. But I'm going to stretch it to this idea of of what we won't set about our lives at the end of them. Basically, my my simple point here uh, goes with a phrase that I'm sure you've heard many times. Okay, well done is better than well said. All right, so that's where I'm going with that. All right, so if you just want to write that down, then you'll know the point I'm trying to make there as I kind of, obviously, I, I, I took some liberties there to, to make it work. So anybody ever met someone who uh, talked big? Please don't say names. 
okay, in here, all right, okay, don't, don't, some of y'all looking at your, your husband, or your wife, I'm just playing, I'm just playing, uh, but, um, you know, but you have no, somebody just talk to big game, but they talk and talk, they, they talk exactly what they're going to do, but they never do it, all right, right, coach, you know people like that, you have some players, they talk a big game, but they don't, they don't, they don't ever back it up, all right, um, you know, I, I don't want to be just well said, right, meaning that I had just good intentions, you know, that, that, that I said I was going to do something great, but didn't do it. But I also want to be careful with my words. And so, so get, allow me some, some freedom here today to just kind of look at this idea of talking and words and the importance of them, but then also going back to the idea of, of uh, actually following through on words, okay? So I just want to go through, because see, the Bible has quite a lot to say. All right, there's a bad joke for you today. Say about uh, being well said about words, okay? All right, and so Proverbs 10, 19. We're going to bounce around several, okay? We're going to just like, you know, the, the Bible has lots to say. It says, when there are many words, sin is unavoidable. Okay? But the, wor- the one who controls his lips is prudent. Well, we need to remember that sometimes, all right? And watch what we say, all right? Because once it's said, they're out there. Those words are out there, right? Uh, Proverbs 17, 28. I love this one. Even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent discerning when he seals his lips. Even a fool can look can look smart as long as he keeps his mouth shut. All right? Or uh, James 1.19, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. All right? um, Proverbs. All right. I'm sorry. Uh, Psalm 141, verse 3. Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Set a guard over my mouth. All right? I don't know how many times I wish I would have done that. Right? I didn't put my guard on. Proverbs 29, verse 20. Do you see someone who speaks too soon? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Another one. Or Matthew 12, 36. I tell you that on a day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. We'd be very, very careful. And that will go along with, uh, with something else here in a moment. And in Ecclesiastes 5, 2. Do not be hasty to speak and do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven, you're on earth, so let your words be few. Again, being very, very careful. careful, uh, careful. I can't hardly say that today. Um, so, uh, anybody who's played sports for any little bit of time knows that trash talkers in sports better be able to back it up, right? Uh, the old saying is, if you're going to dish it out, you better be able to take it a little bit, all right? Um, uh, did you know that Larry Bird was one of the biggest trash talkers in the game of basketball? When he played, those who those who remember that time, uh, here's the deal: there's only a few Larry Birds in this world. Okay, <laughs> like I, I, so so we have to be careful. Uh, Proverbs fourteen twenty three said, "There is profit in all hard work, but endless talk leads only to poverty." And so this this idea is don't just walk, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. Okay, and I want to go one more, even dive a little bit deeper in. Uh, to this idea of words, I just felt like it was important, you know, in, in our days. And so James 3, James says a lot about um, our, our tongue and the words that we say in James chapter 3. And I know you're familiar with this, but I, I still think it's good to look at it again this morning. It says, for, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in ways, says he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Now, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how small how a small fire set ablaze a large forest. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness. Listen, listen to the descriptions of the tongue. 
Okay? It's a fire, a world of unrighteousness. It's placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. These are strong words about what the words that we say, right? Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed, has been tamed by humankind. But listen, no one can tame the tongue. It's restless evil, full of deadly poison. Whew. I mean, is that enough? I mean, James is kind of, you know, hey, I'm going to keep telling you about, about how bad it can be. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? No, it doesn't. So the tongue is powerful, hard to tame, restless, dangerous, and confusing. I heard about a, a member of a church who was a notorious gossip. She would, she would hang on the phone most of the day sharing tidbits with any and all who would listen. She came to the pastor one day and said, Pastor, the Lord has convicted me of my sin of gossip. My tongue is getting me and others into trouble. The pastor knew she was not sincere because she had gone through that routine before. Guardedly, he asked, well, what do you plan to do then, sister? She said, I want to put my tongue on the altar, she replied with pious fervor. Calmly, the pastor replied simply, there isn't an altar big enough. And he left her to think it over. All right. So how many of us have been hurt by words, right? I mean, I think we show our hand. I mean, we say yes. Or how many of us have hurt others with our words? See, once it's said, you, you can't take it back. An ESV study Bible writer said a person's words reflect his character and thus are a key to his whole being. So be careful with just saying. Be careful with our words. We should use them to build up others, right? And, and along the same lines, if we say we're going to do something, we need to be careful to follow through, right? We said it, so we should follow through. Right. And so, again, going back to this idea of intentions, do we want to be well said? Right? May we be a church that is less about talking and more about doing the will of God. Amen? You know, old saying I heard, I think, on a movie or somewhat, maybe it was one of my basketball players said, let's not talk about it, let's be about it. Right? So may that be us today. And so I want us to think, you know, do we say things without following through? Right? Or do we say things that hurt people? We need to repent of that. Again, think about it. Better to be well done than well said. So as followers of Christ, we shouldn't seek to be well said or well played or well off. Right? Instead, we should seek to be well done. So let's look at this idea of a well played. Uh, actor Seth Rogen, uh, some of y'all know who he is. He's in a lot of comedy. He's a funny guy. All right? uh, he, he apparently was one who popularized the phrase in, in um, movies and TV, well played, sir. Yeah, well played, sir. It, was, it became very popular from him. The phrase simply means skillfully or pleasingly executed in like a game or, or music or something, something along those lines. I think of like Sherlock Holmes, you know, and how he would outwit others, you know, and so well played, Sherlock Holmes, you know. Or, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, what I'm getting at here is this idea here of having achieved a lot in terms of worldly things. So, again, I'm taking some freedom. All right. And then I'm, I'm using it to apply to people who basically have achieved a lot in life, who are successful in the world's eyes. Maybe they, maybe they have posters with their picture on it, or maybe billboards, or you know, just, just someone who has succeeded in terms of worldly success, okay? Maybe famous or other things. But what does that ultimately get them? See, I'm not saying that there aren't, that they aren't some really good, solid people who did uh, who become famous or did some great things like that. And, but I, think, I do know that there are many regular common folk like myself who have tendencies to chase these types of things. Okay? 
uh, to be popular, to be, to be famous, to be well played, to achieve and achieve while not even caring about what God might say about the matter. Amen. So let's look at uh, a, a man, Nicodemus, in John chapter 3. So if you'll go with me to that scripture, and again, Miss Rhonda does a great job, and you'll see it up on your screen if you don't uh, have your Bible with you. There's also Bibles in the pews as well if you want to use that. But John 3, verses 1 through 21. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night, which is an indication that he there might have been some embarrassment. Maybe he didn't want people to know. Maybe not embarrassment was a word, but he didn't want people to know where he was. All right. um, and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with them. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus asked a question that maybe I would ask. Okay, like sometimes we pick on people, but really, all right, you know, it's a little bit of a cryptic saying there by Jesus, right? And so he says, How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him, Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born in the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born in the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born in the spirit. How can these things be? Asked Nicodemus. He's just confused. He doesn't understand. And we'll look at that in a moment. But he says, are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied. He just comes right at him. Right? Truly I tell you, we speak what we know. We testify what we've seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And Nicodemus would have definitely known that story, right? Just as uh, Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And then uh, quite possibly the most famous verse uh, ever, right? Verse 16, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned. Anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. I mean, there's a lot there. It could take probably weeks to go through all that, right? And especially with me doing it. Right? But, amen, thank you. I, was, I appreciate that. I was, I, you know, you got me on that one. Um, but, you know, there's a lot there, a lot of great things there about eternal life, which I hope that you, that you heard. And uh, I know God can use his word. But my, kind of the point here is that we, we see him, this man, you know, basically visiting Jesus in secret. Uh, and I probably didn't want to be scorned by fellow Pharisees. Uh, he just he just didn't get it at this point. He, he he was successful in the world's eyes, you know. He he was a religious leader. He was very well respected, right? But he he just kind of missed the point. Right? The thing is, he should have known about the new kingdom of kingdom uh, age. He really should have. For for instance, in Ezekiel thirty six twenty six, it says, uh, "I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh." Like he, he should have known that. He should have known Jeremiah 31, 33. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I'll put my teaching with them, within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Like, but Nicodemus, is, he couldn't, he didn't get it. You know, he was a, a rule follower and, you know, and, and 
uh, he, he, had, he was very successful in the world's eyes, right? But as the ESV study Bible writers wrote, if, he, if this man could not grasp earthly things that were plainly taught in scriptures, what Jesus said, then how could he grasp the heavenly things that only Jesus could reveal, right? And, you know, Warren Wiersbe said to Nicodemus, he was a man of high moral character, deep religious hunger, and yet profound spiritual blindness, right? But how many people do we know like that? Right? Who, who, because you know, for whatever reason, they they chase they, they chase other things, you know, um, and and they miss what's right in front of them. I actually, in a way, I kind of said that yesterday, you know, in, in my uh, grandma's uh, funeral message. I, I ended by saying, you know what, I, I just I gotta say it. You know, we can believe what the hogwash and crap that our world tells us is real or true, or we can believe what we know in our heart, deep down inside, we know there's a God-shaped hole in all of us, right, and. I can only be filled with Jesus Christ, right? It just can. That, that's it, right? So, so how about you? What do you truly seek? Okay, what are we seeking after? Are we are we seeking to be well said, well played, or maybe the next one, well off, right? So this this phrase uh, obviously describes someone who who is wealthy, right? Um, but all the riches in the world won't amount to a hill of beans, right? When it comes to uh, a a life eternal. Right, when we stand before Almighty God. And, and, and the Bible tells us it's appointed, appointed for each and every one of us once to die, then judgment. Right, Brother Tommy? All right, so we got to be ready. And so Mark 10, I want to read uh, another one that I'm sure you're familiar with. Okay, another thing that happened, another encounter with a person, with, you know, a direct encounter with Jesus Christ. Okay, and that's a rich young ruler in Mark 10, starting in verse 17. He says, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt down before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Could be that he was like, well, Can I earn it some way? How much does it cost? Okay, maybe. All right. Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my, all these from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions, which is one of the saddest statements in the Bible when you look at it. You know, it's right there. Jesus is offering them right there, the opportunity. And he's like, well, Yeah, it's kind of like this stuff better. And in verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished at this, at, these wor at his words. And again, Jesus said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is either easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God, which seems about impossible, right? So there were, was even more astonishment, saying to one another, then who can be saved then, right? Looking at them, I love this part. Jesus said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. Amen. I, and I, I have to take a, a dirt road and say that the fact that, that um, the Lord God Almighty saw fit to save a, a, a sinner like me, I, I, I would have put it in the impossible category. Right? But he did anyway. Amen. How many, how many people here today can say the same? Right? I was, once was lost, but now I'm fine. Phantom was blind, but now I see. Amen. And so when we look at, uh, at this, I also think of uh, verse Timothy, um, chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. 
It says, but those who, who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Of course, just like our world likes to do, they like to take one piece that's truth and, and, and change it. And then it's an untruth. Like, I mean, how many times have we heard, you know, money is root of all evil, right? That's not what the Bible says, okay? It's not, okay? You're not evil to have money in your pocket, okay? Right? What, what, is, what is the root of all kinds of evil is the love of it. The desire to just have that to where it's above everything else in our lives. We know, you know, rather than following God, what he wants to do is we, we, we just follow money instead, right? A desire to be rich, it leads us into temptation, which in turn can result in the love of money. See, King Solomon was once the wealthiest man in the world. In fact, still said to be the wealthiest man ever, all right? I don't even know how you even count that, all right? But Ecclesiastes 5.10, he says, The one who loves silver, silver is never satisfied with silver, and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. This too is futile. Okay? Uh, Hebel, I believe is what we talked about, right, weeks ago. It's a, it's a chasing after the wind. It's, a, it's worthless. See, the results of, is, uh, this results in craving for more and for more and for more. We all know the temptation that money can be, right? The desire to have more. Right? I mean, what, what is the American dream? Right? I mean, as much as I, lo I love being in a country that's free, can we just be honest that the American dream is just, you know, we'll do just that. We'll lead people down a path of just having more and more and more, right? And then, uh, uh, no, and then the contentment's not there, right? Well, I think about what I read this morning that, you know, uh, godliness with contentment is great gain, right? Paul told Timothy that, right? So may we, may that be our heart's desire, amen? So as followers of Christ, we, we, sh we shouldn't seek to be well said, well played, or well off. Instead, we should seek to be able to hear, well done. Uh, we're, 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 bringing, we're bringing it to a close, guys. We're landing a plane, all right? I promise, all right? Miss Don, I promise. Okay, Matthew 25, 21. We'll read it again. His, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You're a faithful. Every few things I put you in charge of many things, share your master's joy. We have spelled out over the last few weeks the, the ideas of being a servant and, and being faithful, right? Um, and then today, uh, done. I mean, like, like the question is, uh, have we done these things, right? Have in our life, can we look back and we can say, I've been faithful. Okay, I've, I've served the Lord with everything I could, right? What are, what are some ways as we think about putting this into action? Right? Well, one is obviously just following the Word of God and just reading it, right, Brother Tommy? All right, just getting in there and reading, reading the Word of God. But I, I like that, that there are some very practical ways. Uh, and I could have, man, there's so many scriptures I could have pulled out, but these are the ones I felt like God directed me to to share with you today. So let's look at Matthew chapter 5, the greatest sermon ever preached, okay? Uh, Jesus Christ. The Sermon on the Mount, and and in uh, in the midst of a bunch of uh, of great truths that Jesus Christ shared, he he said he shares this starting in verse thirteen. You you being those who have, those of us who have given our life to Christ, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Uh, on, on, to, 
on a side note for with for this, I uh, one of the things that I pray for my daughters, you know, Caitlin and Riley, every day is that they will shine their light to those around them, you know, in a dark world, and that should be the same for us. See, uh, salt and light, we should we should be different as Christians. We we should we should add flavor, right? We we should shine our light you know, to people around us to a dark dark world, and I'm telling you, to a very dark. Uh, place right now there's a lot going on right and don't I mean don't listen here, here's what i believe god god still got a plan because i i was just told about some things that happened in palatka here recently i didn't see it on tv but apparently big big revival going on over there all from a a, a, a deer hunting accident okay where somebody pat where, where a little girl died right? and her daddy been preaching and boy, there's been people giving their lives to Christ left and right over there. Like there's there's things going on here. All right, pray for our community, guys. All right, because God is still good. He's still faithful. Amen. All right, he can He can work through anything. So as we as we do close today, let me challenge you as well with some words that uh, from Second Peter that again uh, I, I think are very uh, practical. Okay. Uh, and we'll get to that in uh, those in verse five. But let me read verse three first. His uh, three and four. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. See, He's He's given us everything we need. Okay, everything that we need uh, to to live this life uh, for Him. By these He has given us very great and precious promises that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Says so, you know we we can we can we can live in a tough world we can okay we really can for this very reason make every effort listen all right to supplement your faith with goodness so we have our faith in God knowing that He's still in control we can trust Him every day try to be you know good have and we have goodness and and then goodness with knowledge and then knowledge with self control self control with endurance we keep on keeping on even when it's tough right uh, endurance with godliness godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Those are, those are practical things that we can do as Christians. Amen. Therefore, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't want to be either one of those, right? We want to be well done. We want to hear those words well done. So as we do close, may we truly seek to hear those words. I love what Paul says in the second letter to Timothy. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. Close. I have fought the good fight. I don't know about you, but those words, these words like fire me up. You know, I, 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 want, I want to be able to say, if I were writing a letter to, to somebody I cared for, that, that I, I have fought the good fight. I really have. Uh, you know, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only me, but to all those who have loved his appearance. That's, that's everybody who has loved his appearance, right? Oh, may we truly be able to say those words. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith, right? So those who weren't here, that's okay. You know, if you don't remember, you know, if you weren't here, you know, those who were here, maybe you don't remember. I started this unit, this this um, this series. It was it was it ended up being more weeks than I, than I wanted to because I had to be, you know, not here um, there for uh, a week or two, Um but I started by telling you guys about running the 5K. Y'all remember? Okay. So let me go back to that for those in here. So I, I, I ran a 5K uh, in, over in Live Oak, and it was brutal. Okay. 
I don't recommend it. I'm sorry. I may. I, I should probably recommend it for good health, but I don't, Brother Tommy. Sorry. All right. Um, it was rough. Okay. I wanted to quit a couple times. All right. You know. Uh, and so I, I kept going, kept going, and I'd walk for a little while, and I jogged, and I walk and jog. I did more walking than jogging the last the last half. But anyway. Uh, but I'm. But but with all seriousness, uh, I'm. I'm not just saying this, but I mean when I got to that last leg. And I was coming down that sidewalk, and I was about to enter uh, the, la- the last leg, okay, to the to the finish line where my my uh, wife and my two daughters were, and I could hear them cheering for me. Man, I guess all the fuel I needed. I didn't think I could make it, you know, but to hear them saying, "You got it, Daddy. You can do it, Daddy." You got it, baby. You got it, baby. Woo-hoo. You know, I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, and, and so, listen. Here's 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 the deal. I finished the race. I wasn't in first place. I wasn't close. Now, it turns out I was first place for my age group, but that's because the other two ladies walked. But anyway, nonetheless. All right. Um, but you know, I, I finished the race, and and that was huge to me. So the question is, will you? How how will you finish? Wait, will, will this be something that? You know, that you can say that central statement that, that it's not about being well said, well played, well off. It's, it's being well done. And, and, and may we seek to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. And so my question as we, as we close uh, is, um, are, are, you, are you even in the race? This, this race that we, that we talk about, um, it, this in, it includes everybody, sure. I mean, we're all living life. Right? But the race that Paul was talking about was a race of a, of a life as a follower of Christ. Okay? Right, so, so are you on the sidelines? You know, you're just watching? May, or maybe you are in the race. Maybe you've been doing it, but, you, man, you're tired. And you and you taking a break, and that, you know, break has become a long break, you know. Um, or or you're, you're, are you discouraged? Are you slowing down? You know, maybe you, you, you stopped altogether. I, I, just, I just thought it was appropriate. Again, God is God did it. I, I, he, he definitely had this in place because I, weeks ago I planned to read Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. All right? I started, I read it this morning. All right? I don't think it's a better way to end uh, this series than to read this, this passage here again because I, I want you to be encouraged to know that there are others and there are people who are cheering you on just like my, my family were uh, cheering me on. So I want to end with that. So therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, okay, former saints, all right, the children of God, all right, surround us. Let us lay aside every hindrance, uh, and and maybe that's something today that you you know you, you don't have to come to the front to do that. You can do it at right where you are. I mean, you know, there's some there's hindrances in my life and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Maybe maybe that's a, a situation as well that that you want to deal with that you want to confess. And let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. See, if he wakes us up again tomorrow, see, he's fit to give us another day. Let's try to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen? And run with endurance. Although it's tough, man, it's been really tough lately. For the joy that lay before him, he endured. Look what Jesus did for us. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He went all the way for us. All right, may we go all the way to the finish line for him. Amen. All right, and so if you uh, ask Sally to come up, if you never asked Jesus to be your Savior, I pray that you'll do that, make that decision today, and just a matter of saying, uh, Lord Jesus, I, I, uh, I, what you did on the cross, 
thousands of years ago. That counts for me. I can't get to heaven on my own. I can only get there through the merits of what uh, what you did on the cross for me. Right? And so I ask you to make that decision today. All right, as Sally comes and leads us.